episode of the Cosmic Salon. I am your hostess, Nish. I have a very, very special guest here tonight, Linda Emanuel. I had the pleasure of hearing her on the Michael Deacon program, my good friend Michael Deacon. Fantastic history here of working with her own body and healing. I want to bring this as a grounding foundation into this remarkable woman and all the information she has to bring forth and share. And then after that, we're going to move into some very, as they say in the field, very deep woo that is pertinent to everything going on right now and is very timely. And as always with this type of information, we are here to educate and hopefully bring forward information and allow the fear to fall away so you can confront stuff, look at it, and make wise choices for yourself. So with that said, I'm going to bring on Linda Emanuel and welcome her into the Cosmic Salon. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. I am, I'm super thrilled to have you, and I'm certainly grateful to Michael Deacon for bringing you to my attention as well. Give us a little information about where you come from in the world uh, that brings you into the the health stuff that we want to look at first here in the first hour. Well, when I was 50 years old, I had always been searching for the truth about religion. I had given up for a while because I just was disgusted in it and I heard about a woman by the name of Judy Goodman on the radio, and we were always taught in religion that uh, psychics and soothsayers were of the devil. And she was given readings on the radio, announcing her seminar that Friday night, and shut the radio station down, actually, in St. Louis, Missouri. And I was determined to go there because I felt like I, I just wanted to hear what she had to say. And everything resonated with me. I had found my truth. Of course, you have to forgive yourself when you really are spiritually woke up. I asked for the full experience. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning. Asking you shall receive. (laughs) Meaning (laughs) that I wanted to do whatever he asked or creator asked or source asked. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Like you just said, be careful what you wish for. Yes. What (laughs) happened at that point? Well, I had nobody to talk to about it, and um, I was I was told by Judy Goodman. I never got to speak to her one-on-one, but I was going through some times breaking up with a boyfriend. I had to make some decisions, and I decided to turn my life over to God. And she had told me that someday you'll be a great teacher, and all this, you'll do great wonders, you know. And I'm like, me? I had low self-esteem. I couldn't make eye contact. I kind of a wretch. So I had to spiritually grow. I had to, um, I studied, I watched a lot of uh, 
a lot of read a lot of books and everything, just like everybody else probably does. And um, I had a reading with this man in New York. He was a like a type of Edgar Casey. He was intuitive. Can't quite remember his name right now. I was having a foot problem. He was a healing and intuitive herbalist. And it was over the phone. You know, I wasn't familiar with him. And I said, he's just going to ask me questions to, and he's going to find out that I have a foot problem. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing out of his mouth, I didn't say anything to him. He said, I'm getting that you have a foot problem. It's not your foot. It's your spleen. Mm-hmm. And he did some herbs, which would clean out my spleen. But that wasn't the issue going on. He was a channeler and he started channeling. And he said to me, do you know you are chosen? And I said, no. And he said, now this was February 1st of 2001. And he started channeling and he said, in 2003, death will walk the earth and you will tell people where to go to be safe. Scared the badookies out of me. I, he asked me, do you know what they mean? And I said, no, do you? And he said, no. So I never forgot that. A couple months later, I met a man, fell in love with him. That October, he broke my heart. Trauma, okay? Oh, yeah. I immediately, immediately, yeah. <laughs> I immediately ended up with, over time, like in a matter of months, lupus, Crohn's, fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, MS. Oh, all the Lesions in my brain. Yeah. And I was bedridden. In 02, I was in the fetal position in bed. <laughs> and I kept saying, well, I'm not supposed to die. Remember, I was supposed to do these great things. I never could sleep. I was so depressed, I would have liked to have died, but I knew I better. And I always believed that something bad turns into something good. A friend found it on the internet on February 28th of 03. These are like monumental moments. And he said, I found it. I found out what's wrong. And it was a bioweapon our own government had unleashed on us in the 70s and 80s. And they modified it and made it into AIDS too, you know, yes. HIV. Yeah. And it was a cell wall deficient bacterium that can go incognito in your body. It's, it's a nucleus of a bacterium. It's the ones that cause the disease, needs a host to make it a replicate. Well, I didn't believe it. I was just like all the other herd out there. I didn't believe it. I called Donald W. Scott up in Canada, who was the whistleblower. I said, is this a joke? Mm-hmm. How come doctors don't know about this? Well, it wasn't a joke. And being a curious mind, I'm a why person. Yeah. I wanted to know why I had chronic fatigue that I couldn't walk 10 feet. I wanted to know why I was so depressed I wanted to die. I wanted to know why I could never sleep even though I was tired. And I had I found all the answers to that studying the researchers, the mycoplasma researchers' papers and his uh, journals. But they didn't know what could kill it. They had no idea. So I went to a mycoplasma conference in 05 and got to talk to Dr. Harold Clark, who was a keynote speaker. And he said to me, try to find a tetracycline IV that could kill it, but not in, not kill it, but inhibit it. Mm-hmm. So I played out to the universe like manifesting. I said to Source, if you want me to get well and help people, because I thought this was the prophecy, okay? Yeah. Tell people where to go to be safe. Find me a treatment. Well, I had a list of alternative doctors and I called them all. And near the end of the list was a doctor in Alabama. And I called him and he answered his phone. He's alternative. Remember, doctors don't know about this. And he said, I've cured AIDS, I've cured chronic fatigue, and I've cured diabetes, all mycoplasma diseases. So I went down to Alabama, got two treatments of mild silver protein IV, Mm. knocked it right out. 
<laughs> went to the doctor that week, negative for lupus. Oh my God. And I felt, oh, I felt so good. Oh my gosh. I like a weight lifted off my chest. When you're sick with mycoplasma, you have big black bags in your eyes. You're chronically fatigued. Uh, you're depressed. You might have uh, all hormonal imbalance. Causes all that. When Donald W. Scott blew the whistle on Fort Detrick, you got about maybe 20 hits on you Google about mycoplasma. Now you get about mm, between 7 and 10 million. I, I haven't Googled it lately. But people, will you tell us a little bit about mycoplasma in general? Give oh, us just the general oh, scoop sure. on it. Okay. When all cancer and all disease are infections, whether it be tuberculosis, whether it be typhoid, it's always like either viral, bacterial, fungal. Mycoplasma does not have a cell wall, and it's anaerobic, meaning oxygen kills it, and it does not live in the presence of oxygen. And it needs a host. It's a parasite. Think of it this way. When the host is dead, it's called decomposition. Mm. When the host is alive, it's called cancer or disease. <laughs> wow. That's what I tell people. It needs a host. And it gets it also, this is the way it's triggered. Cancer and disease are always triggered or could be triggered by three things. The most common way mycoplasma is triggered is through trauma, emotional or physical. And what happens is mycoplasma and all bacteria and viruses and fungus live in acidity. And we have to stay alkaline or blood to keep from the bacterial, fungal or viruses from living in that environment. Mm-hmm. So when you have a trauma, emotional or physical, it could be a loss of a job, it could be a breakup of a boyfriend, breaking your heart, it could be a divorce, it could be a fall off a chair. When that happens, your body suddenly becomes acidic. Mm. And mycoplasma monitor three things. They're laying dormant in a degenerative cell. They monitor your pH. They monitor the oxygen level in your blood or your body. And they monitor your immune system. How many times have you heard of somebody, they'll get one infection and they'll get gang banged by five others, you know? Yes. That's how mycoplasma, they all gang up on you because you're weak. Are mycoplasma always part of our system? Okay, like I said earlier, they do have a purpose. When you die and you have no oxygen in your body, they activate. And if people, this is kind of an easy way to look at it. You see a dead cat laying on the road and somebody says, you don't touch that cat. It's full of germs. That's the organisms that are breaking down your body. If they're in your body, they will break down your body, but it's called cancer or disease. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. You always will have them. How you can suppress them and keep them dormant is they live in acidity. So you want to eat an alkaline diet. Your pH is determined by minerals. And you want to eat more alkaline minerals in your body than acid. And the only source of alkaline minerals are in fruits and vegetables, period. Okay. And soda is so acidic that it's dangerous. And mycoplasma, absolutely, just like other bacteria, needs sugar. Yes. Just keeping off of pure sugar will help you fight a mycoplasma infection. Is there... A difference between saying having raw honey as opposed to, I mean, we all know that refined sugars are terrible, but in fruits 
and vegetables, we do find natural sugars. And then when we amp it up a little bit, say you want raw honey in your tea, is this, are we at threat? If you're already out of balance, is that something that you should take a break from at first? Well, I'm not a doctor. Right. But well, I have noticed, I'm going to put yeah. that in the in the okay. notes. You are not okay. giving medical advice. Neither one of us are doctors, but we are talking through opinion and experience here. Okay. I have noticed that if I eat like a lifesaver or if I was sick, if I was sick with a mycoplasma infection and if I eat like a lifesaver, which is pure sugar, I'll have a flare up. Yeah. There's something about that uh, sugar that they put in. What is it? Corn syrup? Yeah. That yes. sugar, it seems like that sugar they put in candy is death. When, if you have a mycoplasma infection going on. And when you say having a flare-up, what does that feel? What is that like for you? What is a flare-up for you with having having had this experience of some extreme autoimmune issues? Well, autoimmune diseases are mycoplasma. I could list you some mycoplasma infections and people will go, oh my gosh. So what's a flare-up for you? Uh, well, in April and May this year, Queens, New York was under attack with the frequency, the 5G. They were testing the waters. Yeah. And I knew exactly what was going on. It so traumatized me. It made me so acidic because I was so traumatized by all those people suffering. That mycoplasma, which was laying dormant in my body, mm -hmm. activated. And I went through some horrific uh, damage back in 01 to 05. And it picked up where it left off. And I was in so much pain for two months. And I have all kinds of different ways to kill it. But for me, the easiest way to kill it was the mild silver protein IV. Yes. And that, uh, an acquaintance, Dr. Taylor, administered a couple IVs. It took a couple times because I really was sick. I was so traumatized. Nish. Oh, I was just so upset about it. I know I shouldn't have been, but those people suffered and we won't talk about that, but I I'm okay now. But so I absolutely don't let sugar, uh, any kind of candy pass my lips. Because if you piggyback sugars with a stress event, you're actually supercharging an acidic environment that causes these mycoplasmas to come in and start wreaking havoc. Correct. Exactly. That's, that's correct. Yes, because they, it, it can't live without sugar. Yeah. Well, the stress, though, then becomes part of the fuel. The environment. Yeah. So when you first were diagnosed with all these autoimmune issues, and when you got to uh, these healing modalities, especially finding the silver, how did your transition from being extremely unhealthy to finding a balance in your system how long did that take? And what were the basic protocols at that time that you went through? You have to stay alkaline. What happens is alkaline and acid minerals bind and neutralize. So let's say you drink that can of uh, diet soda, which is death worse than regular soda. Yes. Well, the blood has to balance. It has to stay between something like 7.25, 7 is neutral to 7.45 and soda is like one so your body has to balance the blood it will pull calcium which is alkaline out of your bones and neutralize 
that acidity in your blood. Otherwise, you'll die and your red blood cells won't carry oxygen. And the cells, though, are another matter. When you're drinking that diet soda and you're eating uh, sugar, sugar is acidic. Yeah. The cells do not balance. They become acidic and become a perfect environment for a mycoplasma infection. But it takes some kind of an event usually to trigger it, like a sudden jolt of acidity, like a trauma. Back to my question earlier, a little bit earlier, about the difference between processed sugars like Kiro syrup and white sugar and all the processed stuff that we find in not great options for people to be choosing as an right. as a form of food. Uh, vegetables and in particular fruits, of course, are good, but they, they do have sugars. And I'm also wondering... How, as I said earlier, honey, uh, raw honey, when I speak honey, I'm talking about raw, unprocessed, get it from a beekeeper right. honey. Are those things we should also stay away from? Of course, the fruits we need, but what about raw honey? Well, I've heard, and I, I haven't ever researched, if a bee li- lives a normal life, they stay healthy. And there's probably something, again, I'm not an expert on honey, but if it's a pure natural honey with no additives, I don't see any harm in it. It's made from nature. It's that artif- It's that sugar they process that the mycoplasmas seem to like. And it's especially the sugar I've noticed. Pasta turns into sugar. Anything that turns into pure sugar. If you have a mycoplasma infection, you should stay away from high sugar fruits. The berries are low in sugar. Like the ketogenic diet is a good diet to follow if you have a mycoplasma infection. In fact, People with brain tumors, their tumors have shrunk when they go on a ketogenic diet. Okay. I follow the ketogenic diet. And in particular, I uh, like the way Dr. Berg uh, presents the ketogenic diet with a lot of wonderful vegetables in, in the mix and, you know, the good proteins. So, uh-huh. and, and it works for me. And of course, intermittent fasting I has changed my life in such a big way. So I'm a proponent of those modalities. Some of the factors why people get sick, it's not just the acidity. Michael, now this is going to get kind of, um, kind of interesting. How I got sick when you share body fluids, when you share body fluids with a partner, mm-hmm. whether it be through the mouth or other ways, mm-hmm. if that person is a carrier, you will get the mycoplasma and it will go into a, a cell that is degenerative and lay there dormant until activated by some kind of a, an event, an oxygen change in your body, or your immune system becoming suppressed. So it's very, very risky to share body fluids with strangers. Of course, everybody, you know, this kind of sounds crazy, but a lot of people do that. I find and this so validating for me, Linda. I have a sense thing where it's an olfactory thing. I've my whole life been able to smell danger for myself, especially in some encounters. You know, there was a year in my life I was wild. Everyone that listens to me knows that was in the <laughs> mid nineties. And I swear that olfactory kept me safe. And later I started to understand this esoterically, but this is a big deal. And one of the things I bring forth in talking about sacred sexuality and all that about 
respecting your temple. I'm in no way a prude. It's just about understanding that when we get into these interactions, we are truly meshing ourselves. We are intertwining our DNA, our cellular, our psychic bodies. Everything's coming together. And if you don't know the person, it just seems like folly to me. It seems even, uh, well, it's reckless for one. And it also seems very dangerous as well our animal it's just an animal act it's there's no um heart head in my opinion that act alone though is very acidic if we're looking at it not from a moralistic view but just the act of with the conscious mindset of this is a sacred act no matter how down and dirty and sexy it is if it's not really somehow brought into the idea that this is a sacred act where we're enmeshing ourselves to someone else then we're already in an acidic experience. In my opinion, this is my opinion. It sounds true, what you're saying. It makes sense. You know, you're not really enjoying it in your heart. You're just, you might, like an animal, but there's no uh, love there, really, I guess. And you might become acidic during that act. I mean, when you're stressed out, your body becomes acidic. Yes. When you're angry your body becomes acidic. When you're depressed, your body becomes acidic. And mycoplasma will activate even more when the acidity in your blood increases. The mycoplasma flares up more. And so this makes a lot of sense to me that we can give this to each other so that mycoplasma can transmit from bodily fluids. Yes. And on airplanes. It can be aerosol. It can cross the blood-brain barrier. It's, it's the smallest living organism. It's smaller than a virus. It's just the nucleus, the DNA strands of a bacterium has no cell wall. That's interesting. Looping back to what you were saying with your partner, you were using, you were giving us an example of the transmute or the transmission from one to another in your life. Do you think that's how you became so sick? Oh my gosh, yes. But I look back at this niche. It was everything that led to me where I am sitting right now. I don't have any animosity, I guess that's a good word, against any of my partners that passed this on to me. I mean, I shouldn't say partners. It wasn't like I was hanging out at bars, but I don't have any malice. I realized that it, for me to do what I am doing, that I had to go through that. Yeah. And you can't, you have to go through the experience. I mean, it doesn't mean everybody has to, but I had to go through the experience to pick up the sword. Yes, absolutely. Well, what happened was, I'll tell your listeners, I was dating a guy and he's crazy about me. You know, just like everybody else, you're sharing body fluids, right? Yes. And he told me every time we had, we're intimate. I'd get a urinary tract infection. Oh, yeah. And I had to go to the doctor. Yeah. This is mycoplasma, okay? And he told me, it was innocent when he told me. He had no idea. He said to me, I have urethritis. That's mycoplasma. So every time he was, you know, we're intimate, I was getting a big dose of it. Oh, my. I would have to be on sulfur and 
oh, it was, I finally, I broke up with him. I said, I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> then it went dormant in my body. And the mic, there's all kinds of different mycoplasmas. Some live in the urinary tract, some live in the joints. Mm-hmm. Some go to the brain, cause MS and Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Lou Gehrig's. It just depends where the mycoplasma likes to invade your body. So the mycoplasma, when you get a urinary tract infection and you have a trauma, it'll go straight to your joints. Mm. You'll get arthritis, you'll get rheumatoid arthritis or lupus. I find this extremely uh, personal because I had in, I think it was 1999-2000, I was married at the time, but my momo had passed at this point, and it was a tremendous stress event on my system. For whatever reason, at that same junction, I came down with Hashimoto's, which is, it's an autoimmune, it's related to lupus and graves and all those. And it's caused by mycoplasma. Yeah. Yes, as I'm now learning, I mean, I've been learning all along. This whole health journey is a continual process of learning. It's been a long journey of learning, for sure. I wish I could go back to me in 2000. Oh, it made you who you are. And it you made me who I am, but I could have saved the decade Correct. I spent going through the allopathic system, screaming, I don't feel well, I don't look good. This, right. Nothing's good. And they're telling me everything looks fine on my blood work up in my numbers. Right. And, and I'm right. like, I'm not healthy. I do not feel good. This is if this is good and healthy, I am out. This is not happy and healthy. Right. Would you like to know the difference between Hashimoto and Graves? Yes, please. One of the, this is what mycoplasma infections, the mycoplasma attack you where you, you're degeneratively weak. So you may pass down or your parents might pass down to you the tendency to get leukemia or diabetes or lupus or MS. You inherit your ancestors' genetic weaknesses. Yes. Mycoplasma, I tell people, doesn't the lion attack the weakest zebra? Mm-hmm. Also, mycoplasma attack damaged tissue. Like in the instance, somebody like the post-9-11 workers all, got all that damage from the radiation from the towers coming down with the nuclear bombs underground. And they all came down with like a type of leukemia, and that was mycoplasma. It was attacking damaged tissue. It attacks weak tissue and degeneratively weak tissue. People who smoke, the pharmaceuticals would love you to quit smoking. Yeah. It's damaging your lungs. And if you quit smoking and don't know how to protect yourself, you will get a mycoplasma infection because one of the protocols that kills mycoplasma in nature is nitrogen, C-H-N-O, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen. They're called alkaloids. Certain alkaloids kill mycoplasma. There's 61 alkaloids in tobacco. There's a study about Alzheimer's. The Alzheimer's patients got well wearing a patch, but the but, of course, the doctors didn't know why. If you would eat a tobacco plant, you would die. It would kill you. You can't do it. But in a small dose, like 15-milligram patch, you can get over a mycoplasma infection. But it's more of an expensive way to do it. I have. I wrote an article called, Is It Safe for You to Stop Smoking? And people go, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's, yeah. Well, that's a provocative title. So when you're saying the difference between Graves and Hashimoto's, 
member mycoplasma attack degenerative tissue. When people had the Hashimoto, and also uh, the, the mycoplasma is a, in a cell membrane, it's called an endotoxin, it's made out of a sugar and a fat. It needs fat. Everywhere in your body is fat. Your skin is fat. The, your organs are encased in a sack of, of fat. The easiest place in your body for the mycoplasma to uptake cholesterol, which it needs to replicate, is in your endocrine system. And your uh, thyroid is part of your endocrine system where you make hormones. So the mycoplasma is inside the thyroid gland, uptaking your cholesterol, and you don't make hormones. So you lose your libido. You might lose your hair. Yeah. You know, any kind of hormonal imbalance associated with yeah. thyroid. People who get Graves' disease, they have a degenerative thyroid. And when the mycoplasma attacks a degenerative thyroid, it causes the thyroid to produce more hormones. It just triggers that. Because this is a hyper form of it. There's a look. I've learned this now through alternative medicines and all that. But I can look and see who's hypo and who's hyper for sure. It's really easy like, to see. What was the guy married to Radner? He had that. I can't think of his name. Oh, Marty Feldman. Fel- Marty yeah. Feldman, yeah. yeah. He had, he had great. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. He played. <laughs> the Hunchback in yeah. Frankenstein. It's the bulging eyes. And there's well, a look. There's a look to it. I want to tell you something. Marty Feldman had Graves' disease. Okay. Remember, mycoplasma is past body fluids, right? Yes. He's married to Radner. What was her first name? Gilda. She, was it Gilda? Gilda Radner. Yeah. Right. She died of breast cancer. Mycoplasma loves breasts because it's just all oh, fat. Yes. So what was probably going on? I mean, I wasn't there, but they were passing mycoplasma back and forth. Yes. Because he had Graves' disease. He had a mycoplasma infection. Then she she didn't have the genetic weakness in her thyroid. She was vulnerable as breast cancer. She died of breast cancer. Right. So he passed it on. Another good example is Tom Hanks has diabetes. His wife, Rita, she got breast cancer. You get it, right? They're sharing body fluids. Absolutely. You can look at couples all over and see this kind of chaining of sickness. I've always noticed it. I thought it was interesting. And then there are notorious stories of this one dies after that one. And Yes, trauma. Remember yes. trauma. And we romanticize that, but it's not a state of health. Well, usually you're in love with your spouse. You take care of that spouse. And maybe you're healthy and your spouse is dying of a mycoplasma infection. And when they die, you're so traumatized and lonely that your mycoplasma in your body that your spouse passed to you, you get a mycoplasma infection and you die within like a year. Yeah. It makes it should make total sense. It absolutely does to me. And I encourage people to dig further into all that. You know, never trust anything anyone else is saying. Take the information and, and go forward with it. What was the very first protocol to get you out of ill at ease? Well, I was really sick. I had dystonia, too. I couldn't even get out of a chair without help. And when I went down to Alabama, I was in like a wheelchair. I was really sick. How old were you at this time? 54. Young. Usually in your 50s and 40s is when you're going to get women are very, very vulnerable to get a mycoplasma infection because their lifestyle catches up with them. So he told me he cured diabetes, AIDS, and chronic fatigue. And I knew whatever he had could get me well. And, it, and like I said, 
the mycoplasma researchers had no idea what could kill it. Now, I'm sure the elite did. Yes, of course. I had a friend take me down there because I couldn't drive, and I got an IV on a Saturday morning of mild silver protein. Now, silver on contact. Remember, the in the ancient days, people ate off of silver, drank out of silver chalices. They knew. It might, it might have been from the aliens, you know, or, or the gods coming down and teaching them about the silver, you know. Yes. They knew silver killed bacteria or, or disease. Yes. So they all ate off of silver, drank out of silver chalices. That was for a reason. Silver, somehow silver in co- comes in contact. Colloidal silver, it ki- can kill the mycoplasma. And especially if you can get an IV of it, that really knocks it out. What happens is when you have the IV, and depending on your immune system, the cell membrane around the mycoplasma is called an endotoxin. And it's made out of a lipo, which is fat, and a, sh- and a polysaccharide, which is sugar. Now, the endotoxin is to the immune system like a drop of blood is to the the shark. And when you kill the mycoplasma in the blood from the mild silver protein, you experience the Herxheimer effect. And Herxheimer is your, your body's immune system reacting to the endotoxin being released from the the dead mycoplasma. You'll have flu-like symptoms, chills, shakes. You might throw up, you might have diarrhea, you might get a backache. It just depends how your body reacts to the Herxheimer. It only lasts a couple hours, but after it's over, you feel so good. Mm-hmm. I tell people, I can't do any recommendations. Oxygen kills mycoplasma. It can't live in oxygen. Yes. And one of the easiest IVs to find is a hydrogen peroxide IV. And you do not go through the Herxheimer with that. I do believe that the oxygen explodes it. And in the other case of the silver, it just kills it. So the immune system, the macrophages come in contact with the endotoxin and they have an immune response. But the hydrogen, it blows it up and you don't have any trace of it in the blood. Because I haven't seen anybody go through the Herxheimer with the H2O2 IV. You got a silver... IV, right? Right, right. And so, you know, I, I built a website, started telling people about mycoplasma. And it was tough because they never heard of it. It was tough for people back in 05. I got ridiculed a lot. Of course. And in that time period, you know, we all go through experiences for a reason sometimes, okay? And I was visiting my granddaughter. She was about, I guess, about five or six years old. And she said to me, Grandma, do you want some beef jerky? And I ate some. Well, that caused me not a mycoplasma infection, but something else. I was so sick and in so much pain. I went down and visited the doctor again in Alabama. I was desperate. I was so sick. I was pain all over. And he had a QX machine. Have you ever heard of that? I have. But for the sake of education here, will you describe and tell us about that? Okay, I don't know the inventor, but he was part of the NASA team. And they had this computer, he invented a, or wrote a computer program. They put these bands around your head, around your wrists, maybe your feet or your ankles, I mean. And it turns on and the computer, this program can sense what your pH is, what organisms are in your body, what if you're deficient in a vitamin. 
So I'm on, he puts me on his QX machine and it comes up the Zaire virus. I went home and researched it and oh my gosh, I had a year to live. Oh my God. The people, the guys back from Iraq brought it back and they all died in a year. I was terrorized this time because viruses, you can only kill it with your immune system, I thought. So I, I was getting sicker and sicker. And I, like I said, I had a year. and It attacks your liver. Oh. And it was a bioweapon, too, by the way. Yeah, so I put it out so to God. I put is. it out to the universe. Yes. I put it out to the universe. Help me, you know, find me a treatment. So a, a friend, an acquaintance, he said to me, I met this woman. She had this machine and you put your feet in it. And all this stuff comes out of your body. So I said, what is her number? And it was called an ion spot. And it alkalizes, it pulls all the junk out of your cells. And I got a machine. And I, it alkalizes you. Now remember, viruses are spores of fungus. They have to live in acidity. I used that ion foot bath for about a month. And then I traveled back down. To, I felt better. I traveled down to the doctor again. I won't say his name. And he put me back on the QX machine. Now he's Alabama, okay? And he goes, girl, what you been eating? <laughs> not, not quite like that, you know? And I looked at him and I said, well, I've been trying to eat fruits and vegetables and eat healthy. And he goes, it's showing your pH is 8.6. Oh, my. And I go, wow, wow, yes. <laughs> at 8.6, mycoplasma die and viruses die. It killed it. So you can kill mycoplasma by raising your pH. You don't want to do it for a long period of time. It dies at 8.6. And the ion foot bath will raise your, your pH. It cleans out all the acidic mineral waste. Do you still use your ion foot massage yes. bath? Okay. I have a couple humorous comments when I'm speaking in front of people. I'll say like, uh, Linda, somebody says you're going to go to the moon tomorrow. You'd only take two things with you. What are they? I say, well, I want my, I'll take my ion foot bath and a very long extension cord. (laughs) (laughs) I know we have to laugh sometimes. The things I have to talk about are so serious. And how often do you do your foot spa? I don't want to say you have to be super careful, but you have to use your, your common sense. You wouldn't believe the water are the things that come out of your body. I'm looking at photos right now on the internet. These photos are atrocious. What's coming out of feet. Yes. Well, it comes out of your lymph. Yeah, but it's and moving help through you. your it'll... system and out your feet. Yeah. You can also put your arms in there and clean out your breasts. Breasts are like really get contaminated. Yes. And mycoplasma fatty. attack uh, weak tissue. So that's why a lot of women probably get breast cancer. Their cells are all clogged up. They're lymph and they have some kind of trauma. And they end up with breast cancer. Yeah. This is one of the things I've always noticed. Of course, I came to this having learned with Hashimoto's, which I naturally cured. And I I haven't been on allopathic meds for a very, very long time. I'm still here. You know, because they tell you you have to be on them forever. But one of the things I noticed was I started to connect when people around me would get dramatic illnesses And it was like with the body, too, you have to think in terms of months, especially the endocrine system and the hormonal system. And my system is where it started. I had this stress event, which was my mother's passing, which was very, very stressful. And then it was like three months later, I started to show early symptoms, which I ignored until it got very extreme. And now 
at this point, years and years later, I notice this. I see stress. I know myself. I know. I'm like, okay, in three months, I'm going to have some terrible symptoms. And everything reverts back. You know, you get a flare-up, and it, it just depends on the stress event. But now I notice when I have friends that go through a stress event, and I've just passively watched. I don't evangelize on people. I had learned early on that people either want to hear this information. They need to come to it a lot of times on their own. Otherwise, if you, I jump on them saying, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you looked into this? It just falls on deaf ears. So, Well, stress makes you acidic. Stress. And, and one of the things I noticed, though, was a stress event. And then there it would be like three months later to six months later, there would be some some major illness for people. And it just became like this reoccurring theme, Linda. I started to notice it everywhere with friends that would have stress and then get very sick. And I'm talking bigger, right. bigger stress events. Mycoplasma. Mm-hmm. It, it lays in your body. Like we said, or I said, it has a purpose. It breaks your body down when you're dead, along with the, the fungus and the blowflies. But you don't want to activate it while you're alive. It'll break down your body while you're alive. All it is is breaking down your body, using your body's cell material to replicate. It's a parasite. Yes, and that's a key word here. You got healthy by doing a specific protocol with the silver. And when you first brought this up on Michael Deacon's program, I thought, because I'm a believer in colloidal silver and I use it, but I've, I've just always bought, I've, ne- I've never had a machine to make it or anything. I just bought it from good brands in a liquid form and, you know, I have a lot of animals here. I treat them. I always put it in the wounds. And it's just a miracle thing. And right. my water treatment is I use a Berkey filter and then the water goes down and I have elite shungite there. And then I decant into a glass container where I have more elite shungite and I have a silver dollar. And that's the water I I use to drink my animals also get very nice water so the silver idea has been in my head a very long time i was not informed or had not encountered the kind of potent silver that you're talking about this is a new thing for me and you brought this forward on michael deacon's program your first appearance with uh degenerative eye issues could you go a little bit into that One of my family's weaknesses on my mother's side is macular degeneration. Now, my mother, when she was 25, she was delivering my sister who was breached. This is in 1953. My mom had perfect eyesight up to that delivery. My sister was breached. That doctor turned my sister eight hours. My dad could hear my mom screaming. Oh, my. And when she came out, trauma, right? When she came out of that delivery room, she couldn't see very well. And she lost her eyesight. And I asked a doctor one time, an eye doctor, I said, what is the macula made of? He goes, fat. Get it? Yes. So I always suspected that macular degeneration was caused by mycoplasma. And I tell you what, I go through these experiences, niche, for a reason. Because when I went through the found a foot bath, killed the Zaire virus, right? Yes. So here... In 015, I'm driving down the street, 
gal pulls over and makes a left. I hit her in the rear end. Well, right at the last second, my steering wheel pulled real hard to the right. I went to the eye doctor. She said, you can't drive anymore. I had macular degeneration too. I inherited it from my mother. And for two years, I didn't drive. And then I did a talk at a church and I wore my glasses and my glasses disappeared. We never did find them. And I had had the silver from the doctor down in Alabama. And I had heard of a lady in Texas that had macular degeneration and she reversed her macular degeneration using flax oil in her eyes. And I can go through the whole steps of why flax oil is antimicrobial, why it kills mycoplasma. So I knew immediately that it was caused by a by mycoplasma. Mm-hmm. I just had to prove it. So I lost the glasses and I had the eye doctor appointment wasn't for three weeks. So I said to myself, what if I put the flax oil and the mild silver protein in my eyes? And I did about a nine to one because it's pretty strong. It's 20,000 parts per million. And I did that two or three times a day. And I went to the doctor. She looked in my eyes and she said, your macular degeneration is gone and you can drive. (laughs) Well... I can go through why my how mycoplasma causes it. First of all, oh, the sorry. flaxseed oil is very specific. It's non-lignant. That means the shell is filtered off. And then the silver, it's at a high dose, and high MSP, 20,000 per million, right? Right, right. And that's different right. than going and getting the silver water at, say, your health food store. That's usually maybe about 100 parts per million. Yeah, so this is very specific. The silver is very strong. So you have to use maybe eight parts flax oil. You just have to use your judgment and maybe to two parts the mild silver protein when you put add the water to it because it's very strong. Because if you use straight silver, it would sting yeah. your eyes. You, you, you just can't do that. I mean, it. I it has to be could, diluted, but, though. But this is one thing yeah. you're very specific about. You dilute this this silver. I do filtered water. I don't have distilled, but I just put filtered water. The silver comes as a powder. Yes. And when you add the, the water, you have to let it sit, you know, to dissolve and all that. And what I do with the silver is I filter it through like a paper towel because I'm putting it in my eyes. You know, maybe there's a little, little chink of silver. Not very big, but it might be there. I... I I filter it. So putting it with the flax oil, that's a double whammy killing bacteria. I love the story. Later on, if you let me tell the story about the cyanogenic glycosides, I love that story. Well, let's do the the flax oil. And let's move into that, that story right afterwards. Okay. So the kitty had a friend, have a friend. She got a kitty from the pound. Now that's a trauma. Animals get traumas too stress, trauma. He developed a big tumor out of his eye socket. She took him to the regular vet. He recommended that she go to a professional ophthalmology vet. Very expensive. Yes. She takes her little kitty Merlin out there and the vet says, well, we can take his eyeball out. You know, he can get by with one eye. Oh my God. No, she wasn't going to do that. So she knew about the silver from me and she called me up and I made up a little silver we diluted it pretty good and I said you know I'll put it in his eyes maybe whatever you, you think you know a couple times a day so she did that for two weeks the tumor was gone at two weeks she took it back to her vet 
regular vet. And he said, what did you do? <laughs> and she told him, but he couldn't touch the silver because they're as controlled as an allopathic doctor. Animals can get a mycoplasma infection too. I would imagine since it's part of the decaying system that it's it's pretty much in all living yes, organisms. Yes, exactly. I can tell you why why things are, are anti-cancer, anti-disease. Like one of the things, the biggest smoke screen of all is the marijuana issue. Why is marijuana anti-cancer, anti-disease? Remember we talked about alkaloids. Mm-hmm. Marijuana has alkaloids in it. It's not the CBDs. It might be, I think you mentioned one time about the receptors on the cell. Yes, that helps too. But the big one is the alkaloids in marijuana. Mm-hmm. And they don't, the pharmaceuticals don't want that out because then the mystery of cancer and disease would be answered. Right. Well, the answers are out there and in practice all over. So where were you taking us? Cyanogenic glycosides. Yes, let's go there. Okay. In the plant world, there's three types of defense. Alkaloids, cyanogenic glycosides, and glucosinolates. One of the things in nature that kills when you get a urinary tract infection, they give you sulfur. Sulfur is one of the ways to kill mycoplasma. And glucosinolates are your cauliflower, your broccoli, those vegetables. They have sulfur in them. Garlic has a lot of sulfur. Mm -hmm. Onions. Onions have sulfur. The alkaloids are CHNO, and they are, depending on what alkaloid, some alkaloids don't work as well as others. Now, the cyanogenic glycosides, they're all like a a sugar, CHNO. Well, what happens is in the cyanogenic glycoside, remember, mycoplasma needs sugar. Now, everything needs an enzyme in your body to break it down. Inside the cyanogenic glycoside, cyanogenic, cyanide, is a cyanide ion. But you have to have the enzyme in your body to break that cyanide, to open up that cyanide and release it. In the human body, it does not make that enzyme. You've heard of the apricot, the the cyanogenic glycoside in apricot kernels. Those are all cyanogenic glycosides. I can't think of the name of it right offhand. But our body does not have that enzyme, but the mycoplasma manufacture that enzyme because there's a sugar in there and it wants that sugar. So when that cyanogenic glycoside enters a cell with a mycoplasma in it, it breaks that down and the cyanide is released and it kills the mycoplasma. It doesn't kill the host, it kills the mycoplasma. So that is why apricot kernels work against cancer and disease. It's killing the mycoplasma, which make the enzyme to release the cyanide. Down in Mexico, they invented this uh, cyanogenic glycoside, and it's poison. If you do the, the man-made amygdalin, it will release the cyanide, and you can die. It's dangerous. Latrial is a man-made, manufactured, and modified form of amygdalin referred to as vitamin B17 uh, amygdalin. It's a different chemical. And you can die if you take Laetrile. It's called Laetrile. And is this part of the controversy that happened with the apricot kernel stuff that all yes. went on? Yes. 
And that's yeah. where the mainstream media jumped in and said, people are dying from this. And they were using that in specific and not the amygdalin, which is actually what is the power behind the natural apricot kernel. Right. What happened is people were confused. People selling the real apricot kernels were calling it laetrile. And that's where the FDA got them. Okay. Because laetrile is considered poison. Mm -hmm. So they should have said amygdalin and they might have been okay. When I was writing my book, the first edition, I called the the FDA up and I talked to somebody about laetrile and he agreed with me. I said, you know, blah, blah, blah. We talked. And he said, yes, uh, if you refer to it as laetrile, you're going to get in trouble. So, But the basic amygdalin in the apricot kernels is a natural way to defend yourself against mycoplasma. But most people don't know why amygdalin works. And I, I like to explain why. That's what I'm really good at. Bring us into how it works. Well, when you take the amygdalin, The mycoplasma is in the cell. The mycoplasma thinks it's a sugar. It's disguised. And when it uptakes that amygdalin to break it down, it it has the enzyme. Mycoplasma makes the enzyme that breaks down the cyanogenic glycoside. So when it breaks it down, it releases the cyanide and the mycoplasma die. If you do not have the mycoplasma in the cells, you know, active, the amygdalin will just pass out of your body. So it's completely harmless in that sense, like any other vitamin yeah. or mineral. It just moves yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah. I have an interesting story I wrote on my web, on my book about why, you know, we talked about alkaline acidity, right? That your body, your blood has to stay alkaline to keep the organisms, the mycoplasma lives in acidity. Now think about this, Eskimos, how do they stay healthy? They eat blubber, they eat fish, they don't have fruits and vegetable garden. They they hunt fish and seal and whale and how do they stay healthy? How do they stay alkaline? How do they keep from getting sick? Well, Mother Nature uh, protects its animals and the animals have this instinct. The first thing, well, all the grasslands around the world, these grasses contain amygdalin or some form of cyanogenic glycoside. Now, this is really important. The animals that are ruminants, did I say that right? You know, with the with the cloved hoofs, like yes. your deer and your goats, Yes, they chew a cud. What happens is these animals, when they're on the plains, they have to be able to leave quickly if there's a lion or some predator. So they swallow that grass that's got cyanogenic glycosides in it. They swallow it to one of their stomachs. And then later on when they're protected, they'll regurgitate it and break down the cell walls of of the grass and release these cyanogenic glycosides. So if these animals that are eating this grass and breaking down the cell wall or the outer wall of the grass, releasing the cyanogenic glycosides, that's how they stay healthy. Now, if a bear... When it wakes up from winter, they don't feel too good. The first thing it goes out to do, it kills a ruminant like a moose or a reindeer. And the first thing they eat, they might only eat the contents of the deer's stomach, that broken down grass. They know there's cyanogenic glycosides in there. The first thing a lion will eat, they all go after, is the greens 
in that stomach of that ruminant. Interesting. Okay. Now the favorite food of the of the Eskimos is the green grass of the, in the caribou stomach. They're getting that cyanogenic glycosides from that caribou who is a ruminant eating the plains grass with the cyanogenic glycosides in it. This is new to me, so this is amazing uh, to consider this. I did always wonder why they would go for the gut. It was, you know, you see it. The grass, some grasses, not all of them. Most of the plains in all over the world, all of the, the prairie, Africa, Asia, they all have those grasses with amygdalin in it or, you know, some form of a cyanogenic glycoside. So these animals, that's how they stay healthy. And the, the predators go for that because if they don't feel good, they go, they have an instinct. They eat those greens. And see, the caribou and the deer have already broken it down for them. They If they ate the grass, it, it might not really work. They have to have that ruminant chewing that cud, breaking that the walls down of the grass to release the cyanide, cyanogenic glycoside. I have an article, How to Eskimos Stay Healthy, because they eat fish and blubber and they don't eat vegetables. I mean, I didn't know that they ate. The, the delicacy is to eat the greens out of the caribou stomach. Yeah, it is interesting. Looking at the natural world has always been where I've been able to navigate myself into better ways of walking earth and living here. The natural world often shows us how to... Oh, Mother, Mother yeah. Nature has most everything covered. Yes, and for, for your listeners' information, the Deep State banned my book, and I've, I've got it for free on my website if you want to download it. We're going to get to that in a second here when we wrap this first half off. I want to bring this whole chat full circle. So you got sick, which led you into this and onto this path of protocols to get healthy. What do you do to stay healthy now to maintain your state of health, Linda? Absolutely stay away from soda, aspartame. Aspartame's an excitotoxin. No sugar. Squeeze in your grapefruit and oranges. That would be okay. Natural. Okay. Yeah. But I don't drink any, any drinks out of a bottle like that. You know, like orange juice, grape juice, none of that. You, you just have to watch the stress. I just have to toughen up and say, you know, uh, this is in God's hands. I can't save the world, you know. Yes. And, and, and we talked about the keto diet, the healthy keto diet. Yeah. Also, the biggest way to stay healthy, you either got to find somebody that is clean and be monogamous or be celibate. And I've been celibate for a while because it's not worth, there's nothing worse than being sick. If you, if you have children and you think you have a mycoplasma infection, absolutely do not let them eat off your spoon because families can pass this back and forth. Your children can get sick and they will inherit the genetic weaknesses of both their parents and all the grandparents. So let's say, for example, the husband has a pain, a prostate cancer. It resides in the prostate. The mother has diabetes. The children are ADD, ADHD or they may have leukemia. The whole family can be sick, but presenting with different symptoms. Endometriosis, the mycoplasma is attacking the sac around the female organs and puts holes in it, lesions. It just depends where you're genetically weak. I'll give you a good example. Michael J. Fox, 
Yes. You poison your brain, you're going to get it. You could end up with a mycoplasma infection in your brain. Michael J. Fox, in his biography, he stated he drank 24 cans of Diet Pepsi every day. Oh, my God. Right. He must have had some kind of trauma. Now he has Parkinson's. He poisoned his brain. And that's where the mycoplasma attacked him. Now, my dad was a plumber. He had to quit when they went to that glue. He lost his sense of taste and smell. He poisoned his brain. He had a trauma. Don't need to know what it was. He ended up with Parkinson's. So it just depends what part of the brain it's attacking. And when people drink aspartame, of course, your listeners probably don't touch it. That is a a neurotoxin. Yeah. And you're poisoning your brain. And you want to stay away from MSG. That causes heart disease. Yes. I could could go the whole story of that. I could tell you exactly why it causes heart disease. We'll save that for another show. I also wanted to close the section on cigarettes. I've never been a smoker, but I have lots of smoker friends And you're one of those people that says it's very dangerous to just quit and all that, which is very provocative. So let's close out that narrative that we opened earlier on with smoking. So you're actually saying don't quit unless you follow that with a protocol, right? Well, it depends upon your lifestyle. It depends the circumstances. The pharmaceuticals want you to quit because they want you to get sick. Yeah. And when you... You know, how many people have you talked to that used to smoke and they say, I got sick right after I quit smoking? Yes. That's because they had 61 alkaloids going through their body, coming in contact with any mycoplasma and killing it. So once I'm not saying I don't promote smoking at all because you are damaging your lungs. And when you quit smoking and you have some kind of stress or trauma, you could end up with lung cancer. Yeah which is mycoplasma. Right. And I think most smokers these days are aware when they're smoking because there's been so much awareness of all that. What's pushed is quit smoking. And so what's provocative about your message is if you're going to do that in the wrong way, they want you to, to keep you sick and and unhealthy and and make money off of you. And you're actually saying continue to smoke unless you go through these protocols. Unless you know how to protect yourself. You got to know how to protect yourself. And that protocol, is that the one with the silver? You know, there's all kinds of alkaloids out there. Golden seal contains berberine. That's the most powerful alkaloid there is. You can grow certain things in your yard, which you would not believe kill cancer, kill mycoplasma. Vinca minor, uh, periwinkle. Okay, this is a ground cover. Yes, it's beautiful and it's a medicine. Yes, it contains about 60 alkaloids. So what you do is you do like oleander and periwinkle or myrtle are all in the same family. So if you're ever interested in uh, oleander, that's the Tony Isaac protocol. But that, it's the same thing. It's the same family. Usually families share alkaloids. And you can grow Vinca and turn it into a treatment. Sort of like, remember, uh, Kate, uh, what was her name? Uh, Casey, the one that cured cancer, the nurse. She reversed her name, ASIAC. Oh, yes, I do. She, know. Every, just about, I'd say, nine out of ten of those ingredients in her protocol contained alkaloids. 
when you hear about somebody getting well, it's either alkaloids, frequency, some kind of uh, natural like sulfur product, frequency kills it, oxygen kills it. Jim Humble, CLO2, oxygen kills it. Boom. You know, it's always one of those. It's or, or the diet. The diet, you can you can kill mycoplasma with just a ketogenic diet. No, absolutely no sugar. You'll starve it. That's one of the powerful messages that is out there with the real ketogenic diet, not the ketogenic diet that I see people following that's basically Atkins, whole different diet. The smoker stuff is such an unbelievable message out there. And I know a lot of smokers that feel the pressure from people wanting them to quit. And then I've seen a lot of smokers quit and end up with lung cancer. I have seen this happen. They're smoking right. for 50 years and they're fine. Right. And then they quit and they get lung cancer. If I, it was me, I would get an ion foot bath, clean out your tissues. Mycoplasma is like a roach. It lives in filth. It lives in acidic cells, and most everybody's cells stay acidic. Your blood will become alkaline, but the cells accumulate this acidic mineral waste and become acidic, which is a perfect harbor for the mycoplasma. So it also likes damaged tissue. Remember, its purpose is to break down dead bodies. That is its purpose. So it's not the enemy. This is one of the things... In the natural world, there is no good and bad. Everything has a function, and the balance is part of of the function. So it has a proper function, and it needs to help decompose dead flesh. That's what it does. But it, right. the thing with being healthy and in balance is to have your temple, your body, be in a good balance of health so that that stuff that lays dormant that will process your carcass after you leave it it's in a proper state where it only comes out when it needs to, and hopefully that's after you've left right. your shell. Fritz Springmeier, people might recognize the name. I listened to one of his lectures one time. I think he's great. He said, isn't it interesting, and he didn't know about mycoplasma, isn't it interesting that all these degenerative diseases show up with the introduction of sugar, you know, sugar production in, in medieval times, you know, 1200? Yes. And the, and the English and they were just wild about sugar. And that's when the degenerative diseases showed up. Degenerative mycoplasma. Yes. It's been around. You can look at, at all the, I love to look at the past history of how people died. Yes. You know, the sweating disease. That was probably a bacteria. It's always a, an infection that kills these people in the medieval and, you know, all through history, even the 1800s. It's, there are always infections. Well, this is another reason why historical context is very important on all fronts and not just the winning side of the story. This goes through to politics and wars and all that. So historical context is a very important aspect, as we know. I would like to give this information on your book that was, you said it was banned? Yeah, Amazon banned it. What's the name of the book? Alternative Revelation. It's on my website. Tell us now how people can get in touch with you and also find this book that's downloadable on your website. My pen name is Linda Emanuel. It's Linda Emanuel. If you just Google it with your microphone, you'll get like a million hits and I'll be right on top. Linda Emanuel home. Just go to the home page and above the, on the, like the header and on the top, it says free download. Click on that. You'll see a, a icon of the book. 
click on that, the book will appear on your screen. Go up to the right and hit that thing that it says download and download it and save it. And it's yours and pass it around. Thank you so much, Linda. And there she goes, the wonderful Linda Emanuel. As with all things medical, consult your physician. Linda nor I have medical titles and are in no way prescribing anything for you to do. Do your research. Look deeper into these things. Remember, you have one temple. Treat it well. With that said, I would like to thank producers of this program, Marin Kramer, Melanie Poe, and Michael Watcher. And a big thank you to all of my Patreon patrons through Patreon that are supporting what I'm doing and make this possible. I am in gratitude. Thank you very much. I hope this show brought something to someone out there in the land of ether. Until later, this is Niche, and you have been with me in the Cosmic Salon. <laughs>